Support for this episode of 9 to Thrive HR is brought to you by Caliber. Caliber helps companies around the world get clear about selecting the right people and developing the best talent. To learn more, please visit www.calibercorp.com. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us on another episode of 9 to Thrive HR, a podcast produced by HCI where we discuss some of the most pressing issues facing talent management today and help surface ideas and solutions to those problems by speaking to experts and practitioners in the field. My name is Randy Kenny, and I am your host for today. I'm joined by Joe Moore and George Bruff of Caliber. Let's get started with a little more about you, Joe. Can you tell our audience more about yourself and your role at Caliber? Sure, Randy. Thanks. Um, My career began actually at IBM in New York City, where I held many different business positions, starting in sales up through management. I was in the division with the large CPUs. I remember the computer rooms being like giant refrigerators with all the disk drives and tape drives. In fact, I was there when the first PC was introduced. So I'm really dating myself here, but the corporate experience I gained from being there has added valuable dimension to my role now as an external consultant. It's been great to have that business background and deeply understand both sides. My role at Caliber for 16 years plus now has been in the organizational development consulting group. I've seen the expansion of serious development efforts at our clients over the years, and Caliber has grown right along with them. I love my role as a consultant, helping to develop individuals, teams, and organizations. And when I'm with clients, I'm very happy. And George, how about yourself? Thanks, Randy. So like Joe, um, I've been doing this for for a while um, because I enjoy doing it. Uh, I started my career working with the actor John Cleese, um, producing um, training videos to, to help managers organize themselves and run meetings and um, do good interviews and sell and that kind of thing. And I've been working with, with Caliper for over 12 years now. And like Joe, I'm part of our organizational development team. I'm based in Brazil and I'm part of our global development team. So I work with uh, many virtual teams and with organizations who have the challenges of dealing with people who, who operate in a global and virtual environment. Great. Thank you so much uh, to the both of you for being here today. And George, you mentioned virtual teams, so let's get started there. Many of us, um, HCI included, work with remote employees on a daily basis. In a recent webcast, you discussed some common challenges that face workers on these remote or these virtual teams. What are some of those challenges? So the first distinction I would make is to make sure that you're actually talking about virtual teams, not just virtual groups. Um, They're very different skill sets that you need um, in order to manage those. If you're dealing with a virtual group, that's one set of skills. A virtual team is the same as a face-to-face team in that a virtual team is defined by a group of people who have a common purpose and also a group of people where everybody's skill set is needed in order for the team to be successful. And they face exactly the same challenges as any face-to-face team. The difference is is that those challenges are amplified. Um, The fact that you're virtual, the fact that you're not in an environment where you can interact with people um, face-to-face makes it harder for the team to be engaged, makes it harder for the team to have good conflict that will get to, to good solutions, and very often it makes it harder for the team to communicate and make good decisions. So 
these are things that, that any team will face, but very often those, those challenges get hidden um, when, when the team has the ability to actually meet in the same geographical place. So when we're working with virtual teams, the first thing that we will do is the first two or three meetings that the team has will focus on process. We'll focus on why does the team exist? What's the purpose of the team? How do we make decisions and how do we communicate? Once you get that piece right, then the rest flows really easily. And Joe, in your experience, what are some of the best ways to really get people engaged in working with a virtual team? Um, well, when working virtually, as George said, there has to be a purpose because you're not in a situation where you can, uh, you know, walk into someone's office or see them at the coffee station and just chat. So there must be a purpose to meetings, uh, to the team and the meetings. Um, and the people in the meeting should have a role to play. If not, you know, why are they there? So if they have a role and are being accountable to that role, they're more likely to be engaged at the outset. Another way to get engagement from the beginning is to use video conferencing or, or other tools that allow you to see each other. Aside from those things, um, there are some techniques the facilitator or leader of the meeting can use. Um, one approach is to ask questions of the group or actually call on those who haven't spoken up to get them to weigh in on whatever the topic is. As you know, um, different personalities make it such that some people will almost always speak up and others may never want to speak up. It's uh, important to really understand the natural personality tendencies of the members of the virtual team so that you're clear on how the dynamics are likely to take place. So I would say call on people by name or allow people to engage in other ways that are accessible by virtual meeting platforms like whiteboards, um, where they can just write in questions or answers or comments, um, the chat function, uh, the raising your hand function, polling questions, and the like. Um, when you are making a decision, though, it's very important to understand what each person thinks so that you can, um, then you can use some of the decision-making tools that we talked about in the webinar, like voting, levels of agreement, or negative polling. That way you can make sure that um, all voices are heard. Joe, you mentioned, you know, walking into someone's office or meeting at the coffee bar, things that we tend to take for granted with our coworkers when we're all in the same office. One big thing that happens during in-person meetings is the small talk, small talk that allows for team members to really get to know each other, even if it only takes five minutes or so in the beginning of a meeting. What would you say is the role of that small talk in conference calls and other virtual meetings? You know, should we be taking the time to chat to get to know these uh, remote employees? Should we be focused on productivity? What are your thoughts there? Exactly. Um, well, let me let me um, tell you what our the virtual team that I'm a part of on a on a daily basis is my caliber team, the organizational development team of which um, both George and I are members. One of the things we do in our meetings is we start each one with getting each person to check in, um, just to kind of get used to speaking and being comfortable with interacting with each other. So we, we always put out some kind of interesting question at the beginning of our meeting that allows for some small talk, um, allows for us to chat and laugh and ask each other questions. And, you know, you would think that that might take a lot of time, but we do that within five minutes of our, our meeting. So we find that it, it sort of sets the stage for everybody being engaged and um and, and also just kind of knowing what's going on with each other at the time. So that, that's one of the things that I would recommend. 
I think it is important to have that little bit of personal time and that small talk. George, what's your take on the strategic small talk as Joe described it? I think you touch on the right word there, Randy, which is strategic. Um, I mean, small talk for small talk's sake isn't necessarily going to help you, um, but there's a purpose behind it. And the purpose is, as you said, to help people get their voice heard, to help people feel comfortable in this meeting that we're in right now and focused on this meeting, but also to help people understand what else we're bringing to the table apart from just our, our experience or, or our opinions. It gives you an insight, a window into the, the person as a whole. It gives you an insight into how the person's thinking, how the person's feeling. And all of that is important to help you make good decisions. All of it's important to help the team build trust. So I think small talk is, is fundamentally important. I would never see it as either small talk or productivity. I think when you, when you have a purpose behind the small talk, it vastly increases the productivity of the team. And both of you have worked on a variety of virtual teams over the course of your careers. What would you say is the biggest challenge you faced working on a team like that, and how did you overcome that challenge? Uh, George, why don't we start with you? So I think for me, the, the biggest challenge is that people psych themselves out of the game. And, and by that, I mean that, that people go into it assuming that virtual teams are going to be bad, assuming that virtual teams are going to be difficult, or assuming that it's impossible to work well virtually. And guess what? They're usually proved correct, if that's your mindset going into it. The biggest challenge that we have is to convince people that teams can be effective in a face-to-face -face environment or they can be ineffective in a face-to-face -face environment. And the same thing is true in a virtual environment. You can have hugely effective teams working in a virtual environment as long as you have a very defined purpose that everybody is bought into and as long as you have a really good process for making decisions, for communicating, for holding people accountable, um, and for dealing with conflict in the team and helping the team to have healthy conflict. So I think the, the biggest thing that, that we do with teams is to help them understand, first of all, that virtual teams can be effective, and then how. And, and, and help them understand that once you've got these pieces in place, you can go out and, and be incredibly productive in that virtual environment. What about you, Joe? Could you share a challenge with us? Oh, I completely agree with with what George just said. Um, so I'll talk about, uh, and, and I think the same thing, but I'll talk about just tactically a couple of challenges that you might have. Um, it makes it difficult when, um, first of all, you don't know when to speak exactly. When you're in a meeting in person, you can look around the room and you know when it's appropriate to speak up or weigh in on something. In a virtual meeting, you can't see that body language, so sometimes you're not sure if it's the right time to speak up or not. And I'm sure everybody who's been in virtual meetings um, have had the experience of speaking up right at the time when someone else did, and you, you can't hear anything because you're both talking at the same time. So I think that kind of tactically makes it a little bit difficult, and it, and it makes people hesitant to to speak up. The other thing is that you can't, in terms of body language, is you can't see the reactions that people have to your comments. So one of the things that um, I try to do sometimes is actually ask. After I have weighed in about something, um, I will ask others what they thought about my comments or if they agree or disagree or if they have anything to add, and that helps. 
Um, one of the things I'll say, though, aside from that, is virtual meetings can in some ways have advantages because we're forced to really listen and pay attention since we can't see or read that body language. Um, so I, I think that, that that part can be good. You have to really concentrate to be part of that meeting. So, you know, paying strict attention, actively listening, um, being ready for discussion, and, and also using those virtual meeting tools, if at all possible, will really help with, with the engagement. So, Randy, let, let me add something here as well, please. Um, one of the, the secrets to success for a virtual team is to make sure that they feel that they are part of a team and are working on the team's behalf, not just when they're in the, the virtual meeting. So we shouldn't just be a virtual team for that one hour a week or that one hour a month when we get together. We should feel part of that team all the time. And the team should be, the team should be doing most of their work offline. The team meeting is there to help the team exchange ideas and make decisions and then to decide on what work is going to be done between that meeting and the next meeting. And that's what makes a virtual team really effective. If I feel part of the team all the time, not just when I'm on a conference call with the team, then the team's likely to be very effective. I think that's a great distinction there, uh, George, between you know what these meetings should be used for and the work that needs to be done. So thank you for sharing. I want to thank you both, Joe and George, so much for taking the time to chat with us about building more effective virtual teams. Thank you, Randy. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Randy. We'd also like to thank all of you tuning in and encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed what you heard. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, and on the YouTube channel, HCI Talent. Lastly, one more big thank you goes to Caliber. Without their generous support, HCI couldn't deliver great content like this. If you're interested in learning more about what we discussed in today's episode, you can find more resources at hci.org. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of HCI, this is Randy Kenny.